matchmaking system, but you have a little kind of chat box that pops up, mm -hmm. and usually it's for troubleshooting. Gotcha. But you, you know, I use it to say, hi, good luck, have fun, yeah. that type nice of thing. Nice things. Yeah, exactly. And so I say that, hello, like, good luck and have fun. And my opponent just says, oh, looks like I got the buy this round. Lucky me. <laughs> That's weird. And I'm like, all right, well, this guy's trash talking. That's cool. <laughs> like, we're in the 5-0 bracket here, and he's just decided to bring the mental mind games. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'm about to just respond in kind, right? And then mm -hmm. I decide, now nah, I'll just give him an LOL. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, is he like the matchup but i was gruel and he's rogues which i think i'm actually favored in yeah so he definitely doesn't have a buy against gruel you know mm -hmm. uh <laughs> just a minute passes by and he goes oh oh wait sorry i thought you were someone else oh my god i have a friend whose name is jeffrey pika my name's <laughs> jeffrey pike right so, <laughs> he was like oh dude i'm sorry please destroy me <laughs> and did you destroy him uh, i ended up winning narrowly i had mm. zero cards left in my library when i won <laughs> hello and welcome to episode five of the arena regulars podcast i'm zach and i'm jeff and we are regulars on mtg arena yep yeah, we are. We're also just regular dudes. Yeah, exactly. Although, you know, we might have to change our entire podcast dynamic here. Why? Because the whole thing is that we're regular dudes just playing arena and drinking beers, but I'm officially a professional Magic the Gathering arena player. Oh, that's true. <laughs> All right, yeah. Jeff, do you want to quickly explain that? Uh, yeah, so over the weekend I played in a Star City Games tournament. Uh, so the way it works is on Friday and Saturday, they run a whole bunch of mini events. They're six rounds each. If you go four and two or better, you qualify for the big event on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And if you go like five and one, you get a buy in the big event. Six and oh gets you two buys. Mm -hmm. So I went four and two in that. Just snuck in there. Yeah. Uh, and then I played in Sunday's event and I made the top eight. So that's a nine round event. I finished eight and one, which put me in third place in the Swiss. Unfortunately, I lost in the quarterfinals, but I mm. ended up in the top eight. It came with a sweet prize of 250 hey! US dollars. So that makes me a professional player now. Congratulations. <laughs> you didn't sleep through a tournament. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Turns out when you don't sleep through it and you play the best deck, good things can happen. Good things Even can to happen. players of my caliber. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, besides that, uh, we are going to be talking about the league weekend winner of, of our fantasy draft that yeah. we did. Um, and then we also have Kaladesh Remastered. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Historic and Draft, uh, what's going to come up, because that is starting uh, Thursday, the 12th. Right. Um, but before we do that, Jeff, what is on tap? What are you drinking? I am drinking La Fin du Monde. So this is a beer out of, uh, it's near Montreal where it's brewed, it's called Unibrew, is a 9% Belgian triple. Ooh. And uh, this beer is awesome. I've had it before. The reason I had to bring this is that uh, Zach and I actually met at a kind of a board game cafe, I guess yeah, you would call yeah. it. And they used to run an event called Draft and Draft, where you show up, you draft, and you, you drink, drink beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I actually, that's where I met Zach. And the format when I met you was Ether Revolt Draft, I yep. think. And so in honor of today being all about Kaladesh and Aether Revolt, uh, and La Fin du Monde, by the way, was the beer that I always drank when, they were, when we were there. Yes. So it just felt like it had to be this one. Mm -hmm. What did you bring? Um, I brought, uh, well, I was thinking, you know, we haven't done a stout on the podcast yet. Right. So I was looking for a stout, and then I found this one, and this is from K 
Kensington Brewing Company, and it's called It's Local. a Stout. And uh, <laughs> it is. It's a stout. It's, it has roasted cacao nibs. I, I almost um, wish the can just had nothing else, though. It just said it just, Kensington, and then yeah. It's a Stout in, like, so Times New Roman. <laughs> I, I first looked at it, and I, it's like a little, this purple circle with, like, eyes on it, and I thought it was a meatball or something. Looks and, like a moon to me. Yeah, but then it, like, has sun rays or maybe, like, petals. It could be a flower. Yeah. It, but it also looks like it's in the sky because there's, like, clouds behind it. But then there's also, like, kind of this this festive... I don't know, party favors? I don't know. I'm really not sure what it is. Um, but it's it almost an eclipse, me... maybe? It looks like a moon oh, in front it could of be an walking eclipse. out the sun that's yeah. showing up behind it. And the and they their eyes are... I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It could be a cacao nib, for all I know. <laughs> there you um, go. But it's a stout. It's 5.8%. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what it is. So in magic news this week, there's mm-hmm. the festival on the edge. This, yes. Uh, standard-ish it's like half standard yeah it was like standard without the busted eldraine cards basically <laughs> right which sounds like a lot of fun actually, yeah but... it was basically standard without eldraine and uh theros beyond death um yeah it was interesting i just took uh i played in it i don't know okay if, did you play in it no i always think about playing in these things and then never want to commit the gold to yeah. it so. and see now my gold is basically for that right because i'm trying to collect all those card styles they are nice yeah so um Basically, I just took a deck that I've been playing and just took out the Eldraine cards and then played that. It was good. It was fine. Um, yeah. It, it, yeah, that's, a, that's all i got to say about it. <laughs> I don't have Did anything, anything else happen this weekend in Magic News that uh, you were aware of? Uh, besides the League weekend? Oh, the League weekend. Yeah, the, yeah. Second, the second. Okay. Jack. I'm excited to talk about this. I think you're just <laughs> telegraphing a little bit. Um, you're ruining the suspense. <laughs> um, there, the no, second, no, I'm just excited about League weekend. Yes, the second Zendikar Rising League weekend was this weekend uh, with the MPL players and the Rivals players uh, duking it out to see who is going to get the most points. Um, For those who didn't listen last week, Zach and I did like a fantasy draft, mm-hmm. basically. So uh, Zach picked first, and he got to pick... Uh, we picked three MPL players each. Yes. Then I picked first for Rivals. We picked three Rivals players each. And then we picked a deck that we thought was going to have the most metagame share, so the mm-hmm. most popular deck. Yes. And then a deck that we thought was going to have the best win percentage against the field. Right. So uh, let's just read who we picked and just what our teams are before we actually yeah. unveil, uh, I guess, whatever, the, <laughs> the points. Yeah. Um, so I took PVDDR right. first, and then I had Reed Duke and Brad Nelson. Okay. And then for rivals, I had Stanislav Sifka, Kenji Egashira, and then Jessica Estevan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, the meta percentage, I chose Gruel Adventures, and then my top performance was <laughs> Rakdos Midrange, wah, wah. which uh, not of seventy-two players, not a single person <laughs> played that deck, and it was really just soul crushing to start the weekend knowing I already lost a point, maybe two. Um, uh, well, it didn't lose any games. It, it didn't lose any. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, tell tell us what your team was. Okay, so for the MPL, I had Autumn Burchett. Seth Manfield, and Ken Yukihiro. And in the Rivals League, I had Luis Scott Vargas, Jacob Wilson, and Ben Stark. Uh, I also selected Gruel Adventures as my most popular deck. And for top performing deck, I picked Esper Yorion. So the Yorion, and I, in particular, I specified I was thinking the Doom Foretold variant. Yes, yeah. which is mainly what... Well, I don't think there was any other one. Yeah, there, wasn't, there were a lot of Doom Foretold decks, but not right. Esper, different Esper decks. Right. I think they're all playing that, basically. We figured if you just say Yorion, that's not fair. So you it's, gotta... <laughs> yeah, it's not fair because there's so many different things that are happening yeah. with that. Um, but as Jeff has already kind of alluded to... <laughs> no, no. You did. It's fine. 
Um, he won for the week. I came out slightly ahead, yeah. Slightly. Uh-huh. I, I think you won by seven points, which is pretty great. Right, I so think. for each win over the weekend, we gave ourselves one point. Mm-hmm. And then if, you're, if you did, in fact, get... So if my deck for top performance did better than Zach's, which it did, I get a point, and same with meta percentage. And then if you pick the absolute number one, then you get a point for that as well. Yeah, basically. We didn't exactly do that for the Gruel Adventures deck just because we both picked it and it was the top. I think it was like one for top and one for beating the other person. Right, and neither of us beat the other person, so we just get one for top. So we just get one, but then you beat me with the Esper Yorion. Right, even though it wasn't the top performing deck. Yeah, which we'll talk about the the top one. Right, so... Autumn Burchett won four matches, got me four points. Mm-hmm. They brought Esper Doom Foretold. Yeah, which uh, they is a, were... that was a little bit harder. I wasn't expecting that. I was, I was um, surprised. Yeah, a lot of Autumn's teammates did really well with this exact same deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, things just didn't go as well for them. Yeah, you know? sometimes the cards just aren't there. Yep. Uh, Seth Manfield played Gruel Adventures. He got me six points. And Ken Yukahiro coming up big out of left field with mono green food. Eight wins. What even is that? <laughs> I mean, so not only did Ken Yukihiro get eight wins, but he's the only person who got eight or more wins yeah. in the MPL. He did the best. He did the best, and you picked him. And you <laughs> picked. I was. I was trying to like sniper a deck that only like a couple people were going to play, so yeah. I could win the top performance. Right. And then you. And then <laughs> some him. <laughs> and it was that one but that is why i picked him he's the wild card he always brings something that's good but not really on the map yeah <laughs> and so people won't really be expecting it i was definitely not expecting that i didn't think that we would see any amount of green food decks for sure so uh and how did the mpl turn out for you um uh, paolo got six points with demir rogues um solid uh not as good as before but obviously like you can't expect Maybe you should have run Rakdos back. <laughs> she got yeah, probably. Points. Yeah, that would be nine great. points with Rakdos. Like yeah, uh, so that was nice. He's doing quite well overall, but this weekend um, was like you know middle pack. Uh, Reed Duke also got six with Gruel Adventures, and then Brad Nelson was my big stinker of the week. <laughs> he was <laughs> playing Gruel Adventures. He got three points, which just shows what a ridiculous league the MPL is. If a player yeah. of Brad Nelson's caliber, who's often regarded as one of the best standard players in yeah. the world. Uh, only gets three points. I thought that was a great pick, and I, it just one is not his week. And um, well, yeah, I'm just uh, disappointed to, to say the least. But uh, like one of the best standard players with the best standard deck, you know, it seems then, like a lock for a good pick. But. Exactly. So that was um, uh, for me. But uh, then my rivals, I had um, Stanislav got seven points with Esper Doom. Kenji Egashira got seven with Azorius Blink, and then Jessica Esteban got six with... Interestingly, Esper Kenji was the only person to bring Blue-White Yorion. Yeah. Um, um, it, that deck did really bad on the previous weekend. Like, a lot of people brought it last time. It, it had a horrible win percentage, and Kenji decided to bring it this time, and br- he did well. Anyways. And he did well, because yeah. I guess people were expecting it to shift over to something else, or... Yeah, I'm not maybe, sure, but... I don't know, but... Um, <laughs> so I was pretty actually happy with that. I thought I was like, okay, these, yeah. these numbers are pretty solid. Uh, you know, sixes and sevens are, are pretty, pretty... Not bad, not bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> What'd you get? So Luis Scott Vargas had nine wins. Nine, nine and two oh, with Gruel Adventures. Mm-hmm. Jacob Wilson, you know, the Canadian connection here, played Celestia, so green-white Yorion, and he got seven wins. And Ben Stark... Brought Orzov, Black White, uh, Doom Foretold deck, got seven wins as well. So, yeah, that um, 
there were only three people in the rivals that got nine points. It was uh, LSB, and then Matthew Sperling and Shitaro uh, Ishimura. Right. So, and Matt Sperling, I think, is one of Autumn Burchett's teammates playing the I, same Esper Doom list. Yeah, I think so play. too. And then um, Shintaro, he was playing Teamer Ram. Oh, um, and nice. he actually had the best one of <laughs> meta percentage as far as he was the only person that played Teamer Ramp um, in Rivals. And well, then that deck went 9 and 2. Yeah, right? he went 9 and 2, <laughs> yeah. so he did better than every other right. uh, percentage just because there was only one sample size. Um, but we're still counting that. We're counting it. Uh, yeah, as yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, th- because if. If you ask for a deck to have more than two players, I think Esper Yorion was the best performing deck. But. Yeah, but but uh, yeah, exactly because uh, but behind the the Teamer Ramp, it was um, Mono Green Food that also did very well. Right. So were... Gruel Adventures dominated both metagames. Yes, nearly fifty percent. I think it was forty five point eight percent in both. Yeah, it was exactly. the exact same. Pers- I, I, me- I right. kept getting confused because I was like looking at them and like, wait, is this the same one? Like, right. No, no, these are different, but. Yeah, because um, obviously it's 24 in one and 48 in other. So, yeah. you know, exactly, you know, whatever that is, 11, 11 10 or 11 in, people played yeah. it, and then twice that many played it in the exactly. other one. So. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was kind of funny. Um, but we were right with that. So, yeah, I would be really shocked if that wasn't the case. Yeah. I mean, the Gruel deck is just the best deck in the format, I think. Yeah. So we'll um, see how many come for the um, the championship. Um, that right. seems, that'll be really fun to draft. Well, we'll see. And Gruel still, it should be noted, still did pretty well, even though it had the big target on its head. People yeah. were bringing decks. If you thought your deck wasn't good against Gruel, you couldn't bring it, basically. Exactly. Everyone knew it was going to be half the metagame, and it was half the metagame almost. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of best performing decks, like Zach said, Teamer Ramp out of Rivals, one copy, and it did really well. Mm-hmm. But then across Rivals and MPL, there were four copies of Mono Green Food, two in each, yeah. and it did well in both. Yeah, so... Um, um, Pretty interesting numbers. We, you know, it's also fun for us to. I mean, we were checking. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, basically, just to rip on each other, and I got ripped on this week. <laughs> I want to say I almost picked mono green food, but I was not even on my radar. <laughs> it wasn't even on my radar <laughs> yeah. at all. Um, but yeah, so we ended the week. Uh, I got thirty-six points, and Jeff got forty-three. Forty-three. So, so. he wins the point for the week, <laughs> um, and we will continue doing this. Uh, throughout the championship and the the next um, yeah, pl- splits, plenty of season left. So. We do, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the beginning. Okay, <laughs> I I've learned a lot. I think, um, to so we'll see how that uh, how that goes in the future. But it was actually pretty fun to watch some of the matches. There was a lot of Gruel adventures, like uh, mirror matches, because there right, were so which many is a them. really as I played Gruel over the weekend, and I only played the mirror match once, but. Uh, or twice because of the, there are two different events, and it's really intricate because you can just get steamrolled, but you also have to prepare for the long game because card advantage is how you win most games. Yes. But if you're not careful, the gruel deck can kill you out of nowhere. So exactly. Yeah. So you do have that kind of balance. It was actually fun. I did see that. Um, I think it was a gruel mirror match, and um, the board was empty except for one um, innkeeper was on the battlefield, Ooh. and uh, they both had stomp mana open. And so one, the opponent tries to stomp the innkeeper, and the other player with the innkeeper stomps his own innkeeper to fizzle the to bone fizzle crusher. the bone crusher. And I was like, "That's yeah. there we go." That's, That's why you watch this high level play. Because right? I was like, "Yeah, that totally." That's something that might occur to me, but I don't know if I'd have the uh, <laughs> guts, courage to pull the trigger on that, or just have it like right away, be like on stream in the MPL. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it just. 
Yeah, very smart. You know, you see in red uh, counter spells. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there were some wild card matches too. There was a match between uh, Andrew Cunio and Li Shi Tian. Li Shi Tian mm-hmm. was on Rogues. Andrew Cunio was on this outrageous blue red control deck. Yeah. Uh, with like midnight clocks to <laughs> shuffle back in and draw seven cards yes. and stuff. And uh, Li Shi Tian lost because he ran out of time on his clock. Yeah, that was nuts. <laughs> because he was up. I saw this one. Yeah, so yeah. he was up. Uh, by a whole game. Yeah. Like they were in game two. Yeah. Andrew Cunio won zero to one. Yeah. <laughs> because it was it was nuts. Um, that was pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, especially because I didn't, I'm not used to seeing, I mean, I mean, I've seen that deck a few times, but um, I wasn't really looking for it. Um, but with that, it was, it, that was a feature match that was a replacement for... Right. So Zach some. and I were very excited because there was one feature match supposed to be a gruel adventure mirror between Seth Manfield and Brad Nelson. And I was like, yeah, let's... Well, actually, you had said, hey, let's watch this over Discord and grab some beers. I'm like, right. so down for that. Because those were the only two players that were playing against each other in a feature match that we had drafted. Yes. So, so we were planning to do this. Um, and then Jeff was doing his tournament and all this stuff. And Yeah, um, as it turns out, I was... The, the tournament went longer than I expected it to. So. <laughs> Which is good. It was really yeah. great. Um, but they didn't... They switched feature matches for some reason anyways. I don't know if there was technical difficulties. I think there was some tef- technical difficulties. Right. That was kind of happening throughout the weekend. Um, so we, we couldn't exactly figure out why, but we ended up... I mean, not a lot of people were watching it anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I hope one day we'll, we will be able to watch uh, our players do Yeah, out. yeah. Next uh, time. Next, next time. time. Um, though that I'm assuming that would have been pretty bad. I didn't actually see the actual outcome of what that match was, but right. I'm assuming Brad lost. just based on their based relative on... scores, it's yeah, more likely that yeah, Seth won. Yeah, but... that's uh, that's kind of how I'm thinking about that. But um, although I heard Brad talking before the event, saying that he used to test with Seth all the time, and Seth never beat him in mirror matches. Interesting. So he was saying that he was like the one guy Seth Manfield was afraid to play in a mirror match because for whatever reason, he would <laughs> always beat him. Always so that got me nervous, right? I'm like, they're playing a mirror match. Oh, no. <laughs> but, um, man. Oh, well. Well, we have plenty of time to, to keep working on this. The, the league is... There's a lot more to go. The next one will be... December 3rd, I believe. December 3rd and 4th. Yeah, and that one will be a bit different because it's a tournament. Yes. So everyone's starting at zero. Right. Um, So we'll have to figure out our format for that. Yeah, we might change it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you have any suggestions or you think we should change stuff, uh, tell us. Yeah, let us know. Find us on our Twitter and Instagram at Arena Regulars and and be like, hey, uh, you're doing it wrong. This is how we're supposed to do it. (laughs) This is obviously how fantasy MTG MPL is supposed to work. Come on, dude. Like, what is it, amateur hour? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Playing like, what is it, PPW, I guess? Point per win. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, maybe we're supposed to do like a. DraftKings kind of thing where we both have an amount of money and we have oh to... <laughs> yeah maybe that would make sense and then like you could only pick certain players that are certain different status. players have, cost yeah. different amounts yeah that seems because then we'd have to go through each player and decide it's so what hard to communicate what they're that. worth yeah. I don't really want to decide oh yeah that's just re- we should tweet them oh we put you at like a hundred bucks man. Yeah. yeah just because you know we thought it'd be easy um, <laughs> oh man uh, so we will uh, I mean, we're gonna slowly figure it out. I had fun with this system. Honestly, I think overall we both did better than I kind of thought. Yeah. We each only had one player on our roster that had a losing record, so yes. less than 50%. So that feels good. Yeah. Um, no, no terrible. I mean, I'm, I was shitting on Brad Nelson quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but no, it was, um, 
it was pretty fun, and uh, I'm killed that one back for sure. Oh yeah, I have no. Um, no and because he did really well in the first league weekend, he's still doing fine in the league standings. Yes, you know? yeah, I think he's at ten points right now. Right. Um, something like that. So. So yeah, we'll we'll just have to keep seeing. Um, but so far, it seems like LSV is the he has the most points overall of er, er, any player. Yeah, I think he has eighteen. He has eighteen because he went nine and nine. So yeah. Um, Proven yeah. to just be a really good, consistent pick. Yeah, yeah it seems like he'll probably be... Maybe just... you want to pick first in Rivals. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Like, You never know. New sets come out. Things happen. Yeah, um, and they're just like so many... Both leagues are just chock full of amazing players that anything can kind of happen. Basically, yeah. And whatever you bring. and mm-hmm. um, Yeah, it's, uh, it's just a toss-up. We'll see. Um, so I'm quite excited for that. But it turns out... Fantasy sports are hard. No yeah. matter, if you make them up yourself, if they <laughs> are just out there, um, it's really hard to just be like, hey, this person's going to do really well, and then maybe they don't. I wonder so. if we were a bit too focused on their first week performance with some of our picks. I mean, Ken didn't do that well in the first week, but I still yes. picked him. So that was that was good. Yeah, it wasn't... Uh, you know, I wasn't too down on Ken just because he had a, a rough week one. You know? Yeah. Um, and I'm still learning some people a little bit. Oh, yeah, uh, that's what fantasy is best for, oh, right? Yeah. Learning all the different players. Because then you so. can keep track of what, you know, pick people you don't know very well and see how they do. Right. Um, but Emma Handy, she had eight points, and I should have picked her. Mm, you I were did, talking about picking I, her, I wanted to. I wanted to take her, and I did Jessica Estevan instead, um, who had two solid weeks as well. So I think for she sure. got six and then six again. So um, And I think Jessica and Emma are both, again, on this team of Autumn Burchett. Yes. Uh, and uh, Matt Sperling. So it. Uh, and they always seem to come up with a really good deck for the metagame. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely um, keeping my eye on them uh, in future picks. Um, but yeah. with that, uh, Jeff, how's your beer doing? Getting there. Getting there. <laughs> it is 9%. <laughs> That's true. Because I'm a, this stout, I'm just plowing through it. All right. I think we're good for a beer break. I think we just need we need to grab another one. All right, so All you right. have your Fain du Monde. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he opened it before the, you know, before we went live here. I'll, I'm going to open my It's a Stout yeah. so they can hear that satisfying noise. There you go. Yeah, I have um, La Fain du Monde. Very it? well said, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you specifically picked this because you know I can't say French <laughs> words because I'm American, so why would I know how to say other language words? Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Come on. Uh, yeah, and I have it's a stout, so yeah. Here we go. <sighs> That's a stout. Yeah, this is a this is a triple. <laughs> yep. You must have had that before, right? At, I when, at draft and draft. I don't think so. No. Because I think it was the people would say the name, and I'd be like, I don't want to order that. I'm gonna order yeah. something else because I don't want to say that. You're waiting for somebody to order, so you'd be like, I'll have that too. Yeah, like right <laughs> behind them. Um, also, most of the time, I was worried about running out of beer. I wanted to make sure that I had a beer throughout each one of my matches. And right. because, yeah, no. so you'd order a beer for while you're drafting, and then yeah. one for each of your three matches, basically. Yeah, so you'd have four beers, and then if you drink four beers of this, well, none of your matches are going well. <laughs> yeah, but it was $5 Canadian mm-hmm. for a pint of this. That's, That's like an insane deal. I that is very true. Them. I guess I just don't really... I, I might have not been in the loop. I was just coming into it right when it was there, I think. Yeah, I guess, um, if it's not a beer you've heard of, too, you don't know that, it, this, definitely, that this is a great deal. You know? Yeah, I had no idea. Um, and I was... I think at the time, I was more focused in trying to talk to people. 
uh, um, and be because basically uh, the board game cafe that we would go to. I was new to Canada, and so I was like, "How do I meet friends? Let's play mm-hmm. Magic." I went drafted and just tried to make friends, and then I did. And now I have a podcast. There's <laughs> 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 somebody from that, uh, so that's a. Uh, that's really nice. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we are talking about um, Kaladesh, Kaladesh Remastered. Remastered. Yeah. Um, so, so what is Kaladesh Remastered mm. for those who don't know? It is basically um, they're bringing Kaladesh and Aether Revolt to Arena, but they wanted to do it in one block, essentially, or one set. Right. Um, so they're just mashing both of the sets together and making it one draft format. Right, so they're going to release a regular size set, 303 cards, I think. Yes. Um, that is handpicked some cards from Kaladesh and some cards from Aether Revolt. It means not every card from that block is in the set. Yeah. So this uh, Kaladesh Remastered has 303 cards, and Kaladesh and Aether Revolt combined is 448 cards. So there's 145 cards that are taken out. Um, we're going to talk about some of them. Yeah, the so if, if you and... played Amonkhet Remastered or that, which is on Arena, it's the same idea. Basically the same thing. Uh, Kaladesh and Aether Revolt came out before uh, Amonkhet. Right before and, it, yeah. And this is basically when you started playing again, right? Right um, around Kaladesh, Aether This Revolt. is when I was playing in paper again. Yeah. Um, I had been playing um, Magic Duels on my phone okay. since Magic Origins, which okay. is kind of when that's... I think that's when that actually started on your phone, and I was really excited about that. But I had moved to, to Canada right when Aether Revolt was, um, right in the middle of Aether Revolt. So it was the draft format. It was the draft format, right. and I was like, what is going on? Yeah. I don't know any about this, or anything about this stuff. So Right. So um, just some notice, notable exclusions before we talk about all the stuff we are excited about. Yes. Um, so the cards that have been banned in the Pioneer format... Mm-hmm. Are none of them were included in Kaladesh Remastered. So yes. that means Walking Ballista, Felidar Guardian, and Smuggler's Copter. Yeah. All of these have been banned in uh, Pioneer, which is ostensibly a more powerful format than Historic. So the idea is they can't possibly be okay for Historic. For historic. Especially if they're going to start adding more cards um, on the back end because they're trying to get Pioneer onto Yeah, Arena, they're trying to possibly. work their way towards having Pioneer on Arena. So just don't bother with the cards that are banned in just, Pioneer. Just leave them out. Especially because right. they, you know. Uh, Felidar Guardian and Walking Ballista have infinite combos with right. cards that are coming in yeah. or already existing in Arena, so uh, just leave them out. Yeah, I don't know why they hate Smuggler's Copter so much, but hey, that, <laughs> that card is, is not it, in it. That's the Looter Scooter, right? The Looter Scooter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I like that card because it's obviously really good, but I think it incentivizes good things, attacking mm-hmm. and blocking and actually trying to you know, move the game along. Yeah. But uh, they've decided it's too powerful, so... So just leave it out. Yeah. I think it's fine. I'm not. Uh, there are some people that have strong opinions about this. I'm not one of them. Right. Um, I, I don't think it should have been banned in Pioneer, and I, I was playing Pioneer at the time that it was banned. Oh, specifically Smuggler's Copter? Smuggler's Copter, Got it. yeah. Um, I just meant in general, all of them. Oh, the Walking Ballista and Felidar Guardian absolutely are good exclusions, mm-hmm. and Smuggler's Copter makes sense to me. Yeah, so... so. So I get that. Uh, there are some cards that were banned in Standard right. that are in the set, actually. Yeah. Kaladesh Block seems to like the ban list. Yeah, I mean, usually when you have artifact-based sets, things oh, yeah. start to get <laughs> a right. little crazy. Just in the history of Magic, if it's you true. have uh, been around. Uh, but basically, uh, Aetherworks Marvel, Rogue Refiner, and Attune with Aether were all banned in Standard at the time, and they actually appear in this set. Yeah, so, uh, to plus... the surprise of a lot of people, I think... I, yeah. I'm fine with it. Let's 
let's bring them in and ban them if it. they become a problem in historic. Absolutely. Which it, I think they will. Yeah. They're also like um, energy cards. Yeah. And having more energy cards uh, is important if you're trying to have that be a viable strategy at all. Right. Um, so just uh, start out with them. The other cards obviously don't have that. So um, I think it's a good include. Um, and then if they become a problem, uh, get rid of them. But uh but let's play. I didn't really get to play a lot of energy, so let's go. Let's I'm, give them a chance. But uh, I'm ready. For I got. I got to tell you, man. I don't see Etherworks Marvel lasting too long. There is one card that does not appear in the Kaladesh block. Um, that is part of the set. It is Sculpting Steel, um, and in the previews, it is the like uh, masterpiece version of it. Right. It has a different border than all than the other. Cards. Every other card, including <clears throat> the cards that all the Gear Hulks have their alternate art. Um, that is not in the Masterpiece border, but it's the right. Masterpiece it's art. It's the Masterpiece art, but it's not the Masterpiece border. So this one is unique. Yeah, so we think that it's actually going to be the buy a box promo. Right. Uh, quote unquote buy a box promo, because mm -hmm. you can't buy boxes. But um, you get a copy if you get 45 packs or 90 packs in the store on Arena. Yeah. Um, so we're just guessing that's probably what it is. Right. Otherwise, it's, otherwise it just sticks out like a sore thumb. It just seems, seems strange. Like a bit of an odd inclusion. But. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, nice to have it in Historic. It, it is definitely a brewing card because it can do a lot of different things. So it's just like four extra copies of whatever artifact you want. So Yeah, it's a bit notable that Amonkhet Remastered, they added in a lot of extra cards mm -hmm. using this idea of there were, uh, you know, masterpieces in Amonkhet. Yes. Uh, and so they used that to add in extra cards, some of which weren't even masterpieces. Yeah. Kaladesh hasn't done that. There's only a couple of added cards. One's a masterpiece, one's from the Planeswalker deck. Yeah, so the Planeswalker deck one is the Pendulum of um, Patterns. Uh, so that only appeared in that Planeswalker deck, and then I think an M19 Planeswalker deck as well. Um, it just seems like it basically, uh, it's a card that um, will trigger Revolt, and it's an artifact. So uh, that is probably why it was there. Um, and I'm totally fine with that. That's great. Have it. They're, they already have Planeswalker deck cards on Arena, and I don't use them. Uh, so they just, yeah, they're there. Yeah, so why don't we talk a little bit about what we think this is going to do to Historic. Yeah, I guess. Um, so for those who don't know, if you didn't play during this block, this was one of the most dominant blocks of all time in terms of standard play. Yeah. Um, it dominated from release immediately straight to rotation. Mm -hmm. All the most powerful cards were always from this block. I think it's... The only thing I've seen like it is we're in the middle of it right now with Throne of Eldraine, where we keep banning Throne of Eldraine cards, and Throne mm -hmm. of Eldraine cards are still the best. You know, it was yeah. kind of like that, but I would say to even a more noticeable degree. I definitely think it is specifically with, um, I mean, energy is just like a new resource that they just put into the game yeah. that you can't interact with. And so that just just was so huge right. that um, people that were using this thing like you can't you can't stone rain their energy not that that's a good analogy but right. basically you just can't do anything about it and and um, so basically what this means if you're a historic player this is going to shake up historic in a massive way these yes. cards are very very good yeah so and there's a lot of very very good cards mm -hmm. so let's just talk about some of the archetypes that were present in this kaladesh dominated standard of totally. a couple of years uh, run we're talking here yeah the one that stands out most to me is Etherworks Marvel decks. Mm -hmm. So Etherworks Marvel is an energy-based card. 
that lets you look at the top, what, six cards of your library? Mm -hmm. uh, and I believe that's true. Maybe seven. Let me just get the card up. But it lets you cast one uh, for free without six. paying its mana cost. Yep. And so the, the game plan was essentially get as much ener energy as you can and then use Aetherworks Marvel to try to cast a free Eldrazi Titan off the top of your library. In standard, you had Emrakul, um, the one from Shadows of Innistrad block, mm -hmm. not the one, yes. not not the other one, and Ulamog from, mm -hmm. uh, again, from Battle for Zendikar. We have Ulamog in Historic, so that's still a target. That's true. So these decks proved to be a little more uh, viable than people thought, basically because it looked at first like this was a... Uh, you know, if you get all the right cards in the right order, you're going to win, but otherwise your cards don't really do anything. Mm -hmm. But it turns out if you're able to put cards in your deck like Chandra Torch of Defiance uh, that also appears in Kaladesh as just a, a way to mitigate, even if you don't hit your Eldrazi Titan, you're still just gaining a free, super powerful Planeswalker. Yeah. Um, and so they just became very, very consistent, which mm -hmm. I think people didn't expect. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to tell you some cards that Historic has access to that these busted Aetherworks Marvel Standard decks did not have access to at the time. Okay. And I'll go from least exciting to most exciting. All right. I'm excited for this because I don't, I don't know. All right. All right. Here. So all of these decks are green-blue because green is the best at making energy. You're and right. blue is just a natural uh, pairing to green. Mm -hmm. They now have access to... Can I interest you in Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath? Okay, yeah, that sounds pretty good. So these decks can play a copy or two of this. Mm -hmm. This, If they don't draw Aetherworks Marvel, this will ramp them up to their big stuff and give them, again, if they don't draw the Marvel, some late-game stuff to do. Yeah. That's okay. I don't know if that's... Honestly, in this deck, I don't even know if that's better than Rogue Refiner, but maybe you play two copies as Rogue Refiner, like five and six. Mm -hmm. Can I interest you in hitting off your Aetherworks Marvel? Ugin, the Spirit Dragon. Ooh. Yeah. It's not something they had access to at the time. And yeah. now it is available to historic players. And that was like they I think it Ugin just rotated out when this card came out. Right. Because so, it was in Fate Reforged. Yes. Um ooh. Yeah. That sounds like a card that it would be great to just hit especially because Aetherworks Marvel is colorless. Yeah. And you just <laughs> you don't have to worry about wiping it. Now here's the best part in my opinion. All right. We now have Turn Timber Symbiosis and Seagate Reforged. These are lands that are both seven drops for your Aetherworks Marvel targets. Wow. Okay. All right. I, I see that. All right. Yeah. So because you basically cannot miss now. Yeah. Because your lands are targets. Yeah. Because um, obviously when you're flipping over the top of your deck, you're going to see them as spells. A spell and not a land. Wow. Okay. And. Turn Timber Symbiosis, if you don't draw your Marvel, you could just cast that into an Ulamog. That's still an option. Oof. All right, okay. I'm, well, yeah. I'm having a hard time seeing how this isn't the best historic deck. Once you figure out all the numbers, there's going to yeah. be some stuff to figure out here because it's not trivial. Yeah. But there's just so many powerful cards going on here. Um, just more for the deck that I don't play. Great. Yeah. Awesome. So, Etherworks Marvel, <laughs> it dominated Pro Tour Amonkhet and was subsequently banned uh, in Standard, as we kind of mentioned. Um, all right. Well, good things to know. Um, 
moving on, uh, the, the next one deck we're going to talk about, basically it's uh, energy variance. So any energy-based deck. Right. So what kind of happened is all energy decks were Aetherworks Marvel. Mm -hmm. Then they banned Aetherworks Marvel. And then all these kind of mid-range energy decks playing a lot of the same cards, but instead of trying to combo finish, they just mm -hmm. kind of played a mid-range game, emerged as being really good decks. The most popular one was Teamer, mm -hmm. but Sultai was uh, a big player as well. Seth Manfield won a Pro Tour. Yeah, specifically uh, decks that can play both um, Rogue Refiner and Attune with Nature right. are really big pieces. Obviously, those are cards that got banned, so... Yeah, good point. They're always sort of green-blue based. And you have another color that you Maybe you're splashing there. red, maybe you're splashing black. Mm -hmm. Or there was even a four-color version. Um, if I had to bet, I would say this would immediately be a player in Historic as well. Mm -hmm. And I would lean towards playing the Sultai version myself. Because Sultai's already... Well, I mean, they're both pretty good. But... Well, can you think of a card in Historic that is amazing that was not available to players at the time... For why they would not choose black. You gotta give it to me. <laughs> Thoughtseize. Right, of course. They're gonna, okay. they're yes. gonna play black because they get Thoughtseize. Because they think. get Thoughtseize. So in, when it was in standard, red had slightly better energy cards, mm -hmm. I would say. Uh, they had um, Whirler Virtuoso and yes. Harnessed Lightning. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, black gave you Glint Sleeve Siphoner. And you get fatal push for playing black. Oh, that's true. Um, but I think it just the balance is too tip. The scale is too in the favor of black mm -hmm. in historic when you add thoughtsies into the yeah. mix. Um, so, I mean, fatal push is another card that should be mentioned. That's going to be the best removal spell in historic yeah. now that it's available. Uh, but yeah, I would say I would look out for sultai uh, mid range energy decks. Yeah. So um, yeah. It already, just talking about those two, we have a lot more to go through that we're going to get to, but it already feels like there's going to be a huge shakeup. And, and we um, should mention that deck was so powerful, it got cards banned as well. Namely, Rogue Refiner was banned from mm -hmm. this and uh, Attune with Ether. These energy mid-range decks were too uh, oppressive. Yeah. Uh, one deck I'm actually excited for um, is a Vehicles deck. So mm -hmm. uh, primarily, usually they're Mardu, is what I've seen. Um and that is something that interests me. I thought the vehicles were really cool Yeah. Um, when they came out. And having an aggressive vehicle deck is something that I looked forward to. So I'm definitely interested in building a version of that. Um, but yeah, I think that that's... Right, for those who don't know, vehicles started in Kaladesh. Yes, vehicles this started in... This was the first time they made cards like that. Yes. And I think they didn't quite know how to design them, so the best vehicles are mostly from Kaladesh. Mm -hmm. um, because they hadn't quite figured out the right balance on, on Yeah, because now they're... Um, I mean... Crew cost tends to be higher now. Yeah, and what what's the last vehicle that we've had that was printed? Was it from War of the Spark? Was it the... Uh... The white um, angel maker thing, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe, which was proved to be uh, not fantastic. Right, they really made sure that they that one really would, just couldn't be that. too good because they there is a bunch of vehicles in that set that were all very underwhelming. So, um, yeah. yeah, so but these vehicles are dope. <laughs> yeah, I remember playing standard when Mardu vehicles was kind of the deck to beat. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very, it's just a very good aggro deck. Yeah, it, uh, because vehicles 
can't really be killed by sorcery speed removal because they're not creatures on your opponent's turn. It makes it really... And they kind of have haste because you play a creature and crew them right away. Yeah. It makes it really hard to interact with them. So, um, with this... I mean, this has nothing to do with the decks that were prevalent at the time. Yeah. But uh, it does remind me, I had uh, built a commander deck that was Mardu vehicles. But the, the premise of the deck was um, in War of the Spark... Uh, Gideon rides Rakdos at a certain point and then tries yes, to yes. kill uh, uh, Bolas. What's the name of that card? It, it gives like plus two plus zone indestructible. Basically, yeah, and that's the picture of him. But so the whole point of the deck is that I had every Gideon you could play, and all they did was crew vehicles and ride. <laughs> so it was called Gideon ride stuff. Nice. And so if I can build a Gideon ride stuff historic deck, I'm so excited. <laughs> also because you can't kill Gideon. Um, uh, at, well, at sorcery speed, you can kill a planeswalker, but it's a bit harder than just killing a creature. Sure, yeah. Um, so if he's only a creature during your turn, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be so funny. Um, definitely won't work, but I'm definitely gonna I love that and love try that. it. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I mean, Marty Vehicles is gonna be a great like option. I yeah. don't know if it will be good enough for historic. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I'm not uh, super sure. But it is that. worth mentioning here. Marty Vehicles was literally. First, second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth place in Pro Tour Aether Revolt. Wow. And in that top eight of that tournament, there were 31 copies of Scrap Heap Scrounger, oh, which boy. is, I think, the most of all time any Pro Tour to have 31 copies of a single card in the top oh, eight. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so Scrap Heap Scrounger, watch out for it. It's a, yeah. It's just an aggro. It's a 3-2 for two that just keeps coming back. Yeah, you can just keep playing it from your graveyard. Yeah. Um, that's great. I mean, I'm, I'm all for crazy different stuff obviously but and i would say those were the decks that really dominated formats mm -hmm. uh, and then there were a lot of other decks that were good you know ranging from tier one to just kind of poking their head in and out of the metagame yeah um there's a lot of control decks because torrential gear hulk is a hell of a card yeah um, blue whatever you want basically normally blue red and blue black yeah um a torrential gear hulk's just great there was if you played Historic, you're familiar with God Pharaoh's Gift. It just came out in Amonkhet Remastered. Yep. The deck's usually mono-black. Mm -hmm. But at this time, because of Kaladesh and stuff, they were playing blue-white. Because white gives you refurbish. Yes. Which, which just gets to... You just put it straight from your graveyard to the battlefield, yeah? Yeah, it's a reanimator re spell for an artifact. Crazy. So you, you can mill yourself, and then blue has ways to mill you. Mm -hmm. And white just returns that. And then it also had Angel of Invention, which is really good with... God Pharaoh's Gift because it gives all your creatures plus one plus one and it has lifelink and it makes servos when it comes into play and yeah. it comes in with counters if you don't want the servos yeah but it's yeah. gonna be a lot of this I mean obviously getting a set that goes straight into historic um, by bypassing standard will, will shake up a bunch of stuff for sure um, especially because we have all this information yeah we need to talk about and this set is just it's just jam full like jam packed full of a pluses basically because yeah. after this like the next three sets if they keep going back in this order are not going to be as influential it'll right they, they'll have we'll have a cherry pick a couple cards but we don't get to talk about just straight decks i think yeah the only um, one i can think of is delirium probably yeah uh, with emrakul so it depends if emrakul's in there or not yeah which well, she you know he's legal in pioneer so maybe yeah. that's the maybe he will be so we'll see and then the last one we were really going to talk about um, is basically uh, decks that used electrostatic pummeler. Mm -hmm. uh, they're kind of just built directly around that. And then um, counters. Yeah, uh, right. So there's Winding Constrictor 
it's uh, a black-green decks were built around Winding Constrictor. The weird thing about Historic is you have another Winding Constrictor in white that was printed recently. Yeah. But the part of the reason these decks were so good is they had Walking Ballista. And doubling counters on Walking Ballista is really, really, really strong. Because yeah. then it's you know, just straight X. Yeah. And, any, and when you put a counter on with its activated ability, mm -hmm. it doubles it as well. Yes. And this can just give the deck reach. It gives it removal spell. Mm -hmm. Essentially, it gives it reach. Yeah. Uh, and that's not available because that's not in Kaladesh Remastered. That's true. Okay. So you're kind of getting more consistency in your Winding Constrictor doubling plus one plus one mm -hmm. counters thing, but you are losing your best card. Yeah. But then we do have, like, the Ozolith, so, like, yeah. those decks will play that. So, obviously. <laughs> um, I'd be interested to see if, if people can make it work. Like an Abzan um, counters deck. Right. Um, and Thoughtseize, you know. Yeah, we'll have to ask our buddy who just plays Abzan counters. Everything. Yeah, in everything. Yeah, so um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see if that's uh, viable. Um, right. we'll, we'll ask him. I'm sure he'll tell us it is. Yeah, <laughs> no matter what. He's like, you can play Abzan counters. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, but uh, before uh, we get into talking about some draft uh, yeah, so notes, we did want to talk about uh, having a plan. Just like not necessarily necessarily a draft plan as in play these colors or do this thing or whatever right but we want to talk about uh no pass cards like cards that you see and you just take right so the best way to acquire a new set is always to draft it if you can yes um and so you know here on the arena regulars we approve of rare draft. We are actually not just approving, but yeah. we are pro rare drafting. We're pro rare and drafting. We tell you to rare draft, basically because this set is going to be difficult to get. Mm -hmm. um, you can't get any packs from the mastery pass, right? right? That's a way to get old sets or different random things, right? You you have to be drafting. Um, they don't do quick drafts of it. It's all premier drafts, or yeah. you just buy the set straight out. Um, so when you see something like the fast lands, mm -hmm. if you see a fast land in a pack, take it because otherwise it's just a wild card you're using. Yeah. So the fast lands are the dual lands that appear in this set. Yeah. So it's the all the lands. the enemy colored fast lands, right? Which come into play untapped unless you have a certain number of lands, right? Um, so so take them. You're gonna probably want to to. I mean, we always say lands are really important. Mm -hmm. um, make your mana base as great as it can be. Don't build the deck and be like, oh, well, I couldn't add that land because I didn't have it. Right. I just have them already. Yeah. Like, So we're not saying just take the rare in every pack. But mm -hmm. what we are saying is make a list of cards that you know you're going to craft anyways. Yeah. And a lot of this is you specifically. Yeah. So we're going to give you a list, but some of these are just our specific picks. Yeah, there's um, one on here that I wouldn't put on my yeah, list. Yeah, and mine, <laughs> and I know which one it is, and I'm just going <laughs> to definitely take it because I want to build that deck. Right. Um. But the fast lands, we agree, that is absolutely number one. If it's not on your list, add it to your list. Yeah. Because they are going to be important, um, and you want to have access to them. You don't want to be building decks and be like, oh, well, if I could have one, but I don't want to spend a rare wild card on it, so I just won't. Yeah, and just a general comment I have is that you'll always hear people telling you not to rare draft, because mm -hmm. they, they claim the relative quality of the pick you get will make you do enough better in the draft that you will earn more wild cards and packs from mm -hmm. not rare drafting. I think that is not true. That's a load of shit is what yeah, that is. that's a load of shit. Uh, so if so first of all, random packs, prize mm -hmm. packs, are not worth as much as Absolutely. a card that you know you're going to craft. Yes. That's worth a whole wild card, essentially. Mm -hmm. And a pack is worth a sixth of a wild card. Yeah. And also, um, 
modern formats have so many playables that your deck is going to be good. Yes. So you're giving up like a relative a pick that slightly improves your deck versus something that really improves your uh, constructed game. Yeah, really improves your collection. Yes. Like, um, how many times have you gotten a first pick overall absolute limited bomb and never drawn it in your draft? So many times. The yeah. amount of times that I was playing Eldraine and drafted Questing Beast, right. and it just never comes up. Right. And I'm like, I already have four copies of this. Why did I take this? Right. Like, And it's so frustrating. And you might later pass up uh, a off color rare that you would use but you're mm-hmm. like oh well it's not in for my deck and i should do the right correct thing quote right. unquote the likelihood that this pretty good to good common or uncommon that you're gonna take it has to show up and be a deciding factor in that game more and enough of a deciding factor that another good card that you're gonna get later in the draft wouldn't have won you the game all of those things lining up, I think, is just not that likely. Yeah. And so I would take it over a random rare that I don't want. But I would never take it over a rare that I know I'm going to end up spending a wild card anyways. Yes. Because it's not worth a wild card to me. So having a, a time where you sit down and just write a... Sh- it can be a five card list. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. We're not saying something well, big. Well, it has to be at least five because there are five fast lands. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> I was going to count fast lands as just one card. But yeah. Um, but basically... Thinking about it in a sense that, like, these are the ones on my list. If it's not on the list and not in my colors or not going to be good for my deck, I don't pick it. Yeah. Um, the, but basically the card that uh, Jeff was talking about earlier <laughs> is that I really want a place out of Bowmet Couriers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really thought that that... I'm not super interested in Red Deck Wins or, or those decks most of the time. But I thought that the Bowmet Courier version of that deck was really uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And it made me like that more especially well i mean obviously it's the card draw that you get and that's always bowman curry is incredible it should slot into mono red historic exactly like the play pattern uh, of mono red is always just like you run out of cards and what are you gonna do right right and they're kind of using like um robber of the rich and different things to kind of use your opponent's deck but bowman courier basically does that with your cards um and you get to just load up your whole hand if you've ever played against this card you know how good it is it's very good so that is on my list i don't think it's on jeff's but i'm definitely trying to take that but again you don't you don't have to pick that if you're not going to craft it so if you have literally no interest in playing mono red and historic don't even think about it it only goes in that deck less it that's literally the only time you use it pass it up just let it go um one that you should think about is chandra uh Torch of Defiance. Right. This is kind of the quintessential awesome Planeswalker. Yes. It's, uh, it ramps, it is removal, and it's card advantage, and it has a game-winning ultimate. Yeah. And it's only four mana. You it's, don't usually get you this don't. package. This is like, it's one of the best Planeswalkers. Yeah. It's a card that's good on an empty board and good on a board where you're slightly behind. It's just, it's this card was kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. As long as it was legal. Yeah. Um, whether in the sideboard for aggro decks to kind of get more mid-rangey or just in the main deck. Exactly. Uh, so um, I definitely say look out for it. Grab a copy or two if you see them. I'd be um, surprised if this doesn't see any historic play. I would be very surprised, I think. Yeah. Um, but what are some cards that you're excited about? Uh, so Etherworks Marvel, I think, is on my no-pass list mm-hmm. because... I don't know. I, I think it's going to get banned. So, but they'll give me the wild card for that. So, right? so I'm kind yeah. of picking a mythic wild card there. Yeah. So that's interesting. So, um, we always talk about 
acquiring cards you think are going to get banned mm -hmm. using wild cards because you'll get them back and you might be able to use them in different formats or whatever. Right. But with this one, if you think it's going to get banned already, like, do you just lose a draft pick that way? No, because you pick it in the draft and then they give you a mythic wild card for having it in your collection. That's true. So oh, you're, you're picking right. a mythic wild card. Yeah, which is, yeah, you're right. Which okay, is that's the best that's, possible. Pick. That's what you said earlier. This, yeah. this, uh, <laughs> this 9% yeah. is really getting. No, no, it. but I'm explaining why. I yeah, 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 of course, of course. Um, yes, yes. You're so literally, you're just picking wild cards in your draft. I'm just yeah. adding a mythic wild card right into my collection. Oh, that's fantastic. kind of the way I'm looking at it. And if that's not the case, if it doesn't get banned, I'd be surprised if it's not at least a good deck mm -hmm. and one that I and don't you'll want. wouldn't mind playing. So Yeah, a uh, copy of it. You'd never want to have a, a reason where you're like, well, I could play this deck, but I just don't have any Aetherwork Marvels. You're right. Like, well, yeah, you should have that. And this is where it kind of, I don't know how good this card is actually in Limited, so you are exactly. just picking it for your collection. That's very true, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other one is kind of a pet card of mine, Paradox Engine, uh, another Mythic Rare. I always wanted to make this card work when it was in standard. I never quite got there. Yeah. But, uh, it oh definitely well. works in commander. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then for me, there's Treasurette, the, or sorry, Tezzeret, the Schemer, and Marionette Master. Uh, these are both just cards that I really like. Uh, I wouldn't advise you put these necessarily on your list because mm -hmm. uh, they didn't see that much play. But I built a deck out of them that I loved that put Treasure Map. And so it made all this treasure. And then Marionette Master, every time you sack uh, an artifact goes to your graveyard, it drains them. So you yeah. just sack treasures and get a combo kill. And Tezzeret was kind of the bridge. It made, essentially it made treasures. It called them something else, but it, Ethereum yeah. cells or something. Mm -hmm. But it makes treasure tokens and it uh, is a removal spell. Mm -hmm. So in that deck, it was very good. I called this deck Treasurette because it was treasure uh, and Tezzeret. Tezzeret. Yep. And actually... Uh, there's an article somewhere if you someone wants to try to dig it up on Channel Fireball. I went seven and two with this in a Pro Tour qualifier, finished in uh, ninth place. <laughs> Classic Jeff. And uh, was this the one I finished in ninth? I finished tied for eighth for mm -hmm. sure, but maybe not actually ninth. Um, and they wrote an article about how you can still play competitive standard on a budget, and they took my deck list as an example. Wow. Uh, so that's out there somewhere. They called it Grixis Thopters. Uh, no, Riley, it's called Treasurette. <laughs> uh, come on. Yeah, wow. Seemed pretty obvious. But, uh. <laughs> and um, the last card you want, uh, yeah. you were hoping to get Dubious Challenge. Yeah, yeah. I love Dubious Challenge. One of my favorite cards. I'm oh. excited to... Wait, wait a minute. Wait. I'm in the green section. I'm at D... D yeah. They seem to have forgotten to put it. Did they not the... put Dubious Challenge in the set? Well, they must have just forgot to put it on the card image oh. gallery. Oh, no, it's definitely there. It's got to yeah, be there. Yeah, there must have. No, maybe it's not. That's wow. crazy to me. That... <sighs> Jeff, I'm really sorry. That's Jeff's favorite you card from the set. I'm not going to play this set. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I loved Dubious Challenge. Uh, I understand why it's missing. Jeff it's had a not... great modern deck yeah. around this card. <laughs> and hey, you... There's stuff you could do with this in Historic. Yeah. Trust Annie. She makes people give back permanents that aren't theirs. Mm -hmm. um, I recently learned that the two drop that blinks something, Charming Prince, yes. blinks something that you own, not something you control. Oh. Because I stole a Yorion with an Akron War in the tournament I recently played, Ooh. and they blinked it right back. <laughs> wow. So I learned a, a harsh lesson. Harsh lesson, day. being like, okay. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. You know, if you... If you put uh, Ulamog or something and 
Charming Prince, they get to choose which one they want. They have to take the Charming Prince because otherwise you'll just blink the Ulamog right back to yeah. you under your control. So, I mean... Anyways. That, anyways, <laughs> almost had that deck. Um, yeah. Would have been really fun to play. Uh, I but... do understand its exclusion, though. Nobody played it except yeah. me. <laughs> um, yeah, damn. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's kind of what we feel about the no pass list and our historic things. We're going to get to some more draft stuff in a minute. But your beer. How do you feel yeah. about your beer? I, I like this beer. Um, it's a stout. Yeah, it is a stout. For me, I really like stout is my favorite beer style. Interesting. I never, when thought, it's, I never knew that. When it's done well, oh, I okay. kind of like the like big Russian Imperial style stouts. Gotcha. Okay. Um, the Guinness sort of light uh, alcohol percentage and just kind of tastes smooth, I think are fine, but it's not like my go-to for a... For sure. I, I, I love a Guinness. Like, I love a Guinness, but I don't really consider it a stout in my mind. Right. It just seems like a really great beer to watch uh, football with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and when people kind of say, oh, you like stouts, like Guinness, right? I'm like, not like Guinness, actually. Not like really, Guinness. Like, uh, like, like Guinness. I like Guinness, and I like stouts. But yeah, but they don't feel the same to me. It's almost the bar by which stouts are measured. Like, it has to be, more like, bigger, kind of, than yeah. a Guinness yeah, 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 to, yeah, yeah. to qualify as a stout. Exactly. Yeah, I see that. Um, and this one's pretty good. I'm tempted to just give this, uh, like, a diamond. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think I feel similar about it. I uh, it, it definitely it tastes like a stout. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's but it's solid. not it's not these big Russian imperial stouts that I usually love. It's like six percent, just under. Yeah. But it's still you. I get the the chocolate and the coffee, mm-hmm. and I I do like coffee stouts usually. Yeah, so. I, I um, that's usually what they're kind of uh, pushing towards. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's good. Uh, it definitely feels like the floor though to me mm-hmm. it feels like this is a stout i think the marketing was perfect uh and it does get some extra points because of it it to, to me it tastes like this is a stout and this is how that might have been what pushed me into diamond yeah so i think i, I will actually agree with you originally i was going to say platinum but mm-hmm. um because of the can and the marketing i'm going to say diamond um it is a stout yeah. uh it, stouts should branch off of this and not on the side of this um, so I'm going to say, yeah, that's a diamond stout for sure. What do you think of La Fin du Monde? So I'm not a big fan of triples, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, anytime a beer has a cork, I'm like, why? This one doesn't have a cork, by the way. It has a, a actually a twist off. Yeah. Um, but I will also say, this is, I mean, I know this is one of your favorite beers. Yeah. I know you really like it. <laughs> I'm probably going to say diamond. I like it a lot. Um I mean, you don't have to do that just for me. I ranked one of your favorite beers pretty low. I know you did. (laughs) Um, But that's more of an emotional thing, not a taste thing, you know. Um, This one is, it is really good. Um, I just probably won't pick it up that much, but I know I like it. And there's, it's not, I'm probably never going to go to a fridge and see it and not take it. Right. Um, So that's why I feel diamond about it. Uh, There are some triples that I like have a harder time with and this mm-hmm. one is quite nice of course you're um, not going to drink this if you're in diamond but no i'm not going to drink this absolutely not no i will drink this at the beginning of a season or when i know that everything is all hope is lost yeah um, or when you make mythic yeah i don't know if that's going to happen i'm trying i'm trying plenty of season left you already made your goal and <laughs> yeah. i'm not even close 
He'll um, get there. He'll get there. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I say diamond. Um, what about you? For me, it's a mythic. Yeah, it's one of my favorite beers, and it also has that kind of nostalgia factor. Reminds me of going to draft all those years. Sure. Yeah, and um, yeah, I think a diamond. It almost went to platinum because I just don't want to say the name. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it is a it's a fantastic beer, and I really do like it. So, um, but with that, mine is empty, and I am ready for another one. That sounds like it's time for a beer break. It's a beer break. <laughs> Nailed it. What did you choose? I took a French beer. <laughs> and, uh, which one, man? I need you uh, to say it. La Fin du Monde. That's really good. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm trying. Yeah. I, I also took uh, La Fin du Monde. Yeah. And hey, it's a great beer. Yeah. It's a great... Hey, both yeah. options were good this time. Yeah. I, I just think... Um, yeah, I just think it's it's a great beer, and uh, I should just have another one so I can just forget about everything that happened today, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. When you wake up, the yeah. Mastered will be out. So. It will be, yeah, I'll, I'll miss a whole day. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're talking about Kaladesh Remastered Draft. Right, and we segued that perfectly from Constructed to really, Draft. I really think we did. With our no-pass list. Um, yeah, we, <laughs> we didn't take a break or anything yeah. and then drink extra beers. or. <laughs> so, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. We played a little bit of Kaladesh and a little bit of Aether Revolt. Yes. Um, but we also played Amonkhet Remastered on mm-hmm. Arena. Yes. And I we, think that's almost the most telling because the way that draft format lined up, not too surprisingly, it was kind of halfway between. So Hour of Devastation, or sorry, um, Amonkhet was a lightning fast format. Yes. And Hour of Devastation was a really slow, grindy format. Mm-hmm. And Amonkhet Remastered was... Kind of a blend of both, but definitely trended towards Amonkhet in its speed. It was still pretty fast. Because what makes a format fast is just good aggressive commons. Mm -hmm. And those were in the set. And they're showing up three times as often as they were in Hour of Devastation draft. So we're basically saying that um, when you were playing Hour of Devastation, you'd only get one pack of Amonkhet, right? So you only have one chance or one pack to get Gustwalk. Right, but in Amonkhet Remastered, you can get Gust Walkers in every pack. Yeah, and still a common, so it shows up a lot. You'll you'll see it a lot, and you so it can be as aggressive as. And you can that. take them early because the Amonkhet pack was third, so yes. you could decide, oh, that's an early Gust Walker. I'm going to be an aggressive deck in pack one. Exactly. Instead of deciding, oh wait, maybe I could be aggressive in pack three, which is really hard to do. Right. You've already made your choice by then. So we are expecting that. Um, Kaladesh Remastered would be similar where Kaladesh was fairly fast. I'm not going to say it's as fast as Amonkhet was because it, def- it didn't have the exert creatures and it, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but it, it was thought of as a faster set and Aether Revolt slowed it down a bit. For sure. Um, well, I, Kaladesh was definitely like the creatures are just awesome. So yeah. you want to be kind of putting creatures on the board and attacking. A lot of mm-hmm. things incentivized attack. Yeah. Um, and you didn't have as much, I mean, obviously revolt kind of came with Aether revolt. So mm-hmm. then you're then doing weird attacks, sometimes hoping for trades right. so that you can play a revolt creature to make it bigger or do whatever it, it does. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it just changes it quite a bit. But, um, I think that the best way to look at Aether revolt really is through taking a bit of data from, uh, Kaladesh and Aether revolt drafting, but also looking at Amonkhet remastered and seeing how that shifted things yeah so 
because I'm going in with this Cat remastered sort of data under mm -hmm. my belt, I'm expecting this draft format to, again, be exactly kind of in between both, but slightly leaning towards Kaladesh. So yeah. I'm going to prioritize the good creatures getting on board yeah. rather than kind of the slower, grindy stuff that Aether Revolt might have been known for. Yeah, so kind of a little bit more proactive than reactive. Yeah, which is always a good, healthy way to enter a new format anyways. Mm -hmm. Try to be proactive. Yes. Um, and I know that um, uh, at Aether Revolt uh, PT, they were working on uh, a lot of the really good decks mm -hmm. were proactive decks right? instead of reactive ones. But let's talk about the formats a little bit, Aether Revolt and Kaladesh. Right? Yeah. So um, in Aether Revolt, white was the worst color. It was known as the worst color, but not completely unplayable. Right. So if you're the only white drafter, it's still worth it kind yes. of thing. Um, and Kaladesh, I don't really remember it having a de facto worst color. Mm -hmm. um, on the other hand, what were the good colors? Yeah, so Aether Revolt is definitely red. People really liked red a lot. Yeah. Um, and then Kaladesh was more focused towards green. Right. Green just had a lot of really powerful commons in mm -hmm. Kaladesh. Uh, Thriving Rhino really jumps out to me. Yes. It was basically like a 3-4 for 3 mm -hmm. with upside because it made energy. It was a 2-3 and it attacked and got counters yes. when you put uh, used your energy. So. And notable for this time around, um, so the Thriving Cycle, there was a thriving creature in each uh, color. Right. But for Kaladesh Remastered, there were only two thriving creatures. It is Thriving Rhino and Thriving Turtle. Right. Right? So the turtle is fine, but the rhino is really good. The rhino was, yeah, one of the better green commons. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was almost just one of the best creatures in Aether Revolt draft because it was just so much more powerful than yes, all exactly. the other common creatures. Uh, and piggybacking on that, um, there's the other kind of cycle that is like the Aether Swooper, Aether Chaser, Aether Poisoner. Mm -hmm. um, and they have almost, all, I think there's uh, four of them and there's only one that's missing. Um, okay. So I, I remember the white one was awful, the green one was bad, and the other three were good. I think the green one's missing. Okay. Uh, and then the rest are there. The white one's still there. Uh, Poisoner, Swooper, Chaser, all there. Yeah. So um, the red one was really good. Yes. The blue and the black ones were pretty good. Yeah. The green the, one was kind of bad, and the white one was just don't play this card. Yeah. Well, it's a four drop. So. Yeah, it's exactly. Um, but uh, basically. Some of the things are important to know because if you see a cycle, a lot of times when you play a set, you can see a cycle and be like, oh, there's ones of each I color. there's five, yeah. But there aren't. Right. Right? So just keep that in mind that, like, th there are not all the cycles of all the things, including, like, the puzzle knots and the implements. Right. We don't have the full cycles of all of them. However, right. there are three puzzle knots and two implements, and they are... All different colors. Right. It's like the Naya puzzle knots and the blue black implements. Yes. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that, that's correct. So, um, so don't be playing green hoping to get the green implement. It's not there. Right. Um, and the green implement was pretty good actually. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because it put a counter on one of your creatures. So you you want to do a little bit of that research yourself. Mm -hmm. Just look over the gallery. Uh, the easiest thing for me was specifically looking at cycles and seeing if they're all present or not. Right. Um, because uh, most of the time you just expect them to be because that's usually how they make stuff mm -hmm. and this one's just a bit different so uh, watch out don't don't be looking for cards that aren't there or never will be <laughs> yeah there. exactly don't be like why is everyone taking this implement <laughs> it's like they're not it's not even yeah. printed so <laughs> um, and we were talked in constructed about cards they omitted from the set 
Yeah. And there is a notable one for limited. So. Yes. Renegade Freighter was a limited absolute all-star in Kaladesh. This yes. was a common. And I think it's like a 4-3 trample. Crew, for three? Crew one. Yeah. This card, was it just felt so unbeatable when it came down. Because your opponent's basically playing a 4-3 trampler for three that when it attacks it gets plus one plus one or something. It yeah. Was, it was a very, very good card. They've cut that from this yes. set. So, so we don't have any Renegade Freighters. Um, and honestly, the main problem with that card was that it was a common. So it, it just showed up all the time. So I, I just think it's not... It, it was the good good decision to leave it out of this set. Yes. Um, I also agree with that. Yeah. On the other hand, they left some cards in. Mm -hmm. So Untethered Express and Ridge Scale Tusker. These are both uncommons, um, but they are kind of the best uncommons in the set. I would say Untethered Express is one of the best cards to start on in the whole set. Interesting, okay. Because it's colorless, so it's definitely going to make your deck. So no it's colorless, what. and it's fantastic. Yeah, and it's just amazing. It's kind of like a, a vehicle version of uh, the land that... Uh, the green-red land that attack It's in modern. Oh, right? gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, some of those main lands. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people talked about the Untethered Express and Ridge Scale Tusker as mythic uncommons. Right. So they're, um, I don't exactly know if they're referring to them as you don't see them very often, uh, as mythic, or they're so good, they're, it's like getting a mythic in the pack. The latter is what they mean. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so they basically meant like... Uh, this card is, like, Ridge Scale Tusker is almost better than Verder's Gear Hulk. Mm -hmm. Like, that is right. crazy. They, they cost the same, but it's a 5-5 five five instead of a 4-4. Four four. It often puts more counters out than Verger's Gear Hulk. Yeah, because Verger's Gear Hulk always puts down 4, and Ridge Scale Tusker just puts 1 on everything. So, right. um, if you're going wide, like, you get to be big, too. It, so, just be looking out for those. Um, I think that as we play this form of the draft we will get to see how good they really are but i still think they're going to be pretty good i think ben stark might have coined the term mythic uncommon interesting okay yeah. that, right. that's what he means is that basically an uncommon that you would choose over most rares so yeah, yeah i think so those are kind of the two of this set. yeah definitely definitely look out for those ones because those are ones that you'll be um, and there's no reason to believe they won't be good in the remastered exactly. version. They're, they're Basically, uh, if you see that card and there isn't a card from your no-pass list in the pack, right. <laughs> you pick Untethered Express or Ridge Kill Tusker. Yeah. Uh, if you're in those colors, of course. Um, those color, sorry. Because right. uh, <laughs> one's green, the other one's colorless. So yeah. So what? one thing I noticed just from looking through the card list, mm -hmm. there's a ton of removal in mm. Kaladesh Remastered. Basically, all the removal spells from Kaladesh and all the removal spells that from, are common or uncommon from Aether Revolt made it into this set. And so they're just loaded. And they range from cheap removal to uh, an efficient to like unconditional bigger removal spells. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think you don't have to put as high a priority on removal as you normally do because you're going to have removal in your deck. Okay, that's good to know. I didn't even think about that. Right, because there are some sets where there's only like one removal spell. Yeah. You need some removal in your deck, mm -hmm. so you just have to take that first. This set is just chock full gotcha. of, of reasonable quality limited yeah. removal. And so, but how much of that is actually like artifact removal? Like how much? Oh, I, I wasn't even really counting that. Okay, but... so that's even more. So then you yeah. have, oh, okay, so you have not only just like straight up removal, mm -hmm. but you also have artifact removal, which will 
come in handy. Like how how many uh, how many artifact removal cards would you put in your deck? Probably one. Just one, like exactly yeah. one. Exactly one. Okay. So I want one and I don't want two. God. If I'm remembering this format correctly, mm-hmm. because. A lot of the cards have to do with artifacts, but they kind of make servos, or they make, or there are cheap artifacts that kind of go with it. For improvise and yeah. stuff like that. And... But you do want one, because otherwise you'll lose to Renegade Freighter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that kind yeah. of, there are some powerful artifacts, mm-hmm. but it's not like a Mirrodin artifact set, where everything's an artifact and shatters the best card in the set. You right. Know? Like... Okay. All right. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Because most of the time when I'm coming to an artifact set, I would think... Uh, oh. Similar to like Theros, where you're like, okay, well, something that exiles an, uh, an enchantment. Mm-hmm. That's going to be really important because there's so many enchantments, right? right. Um, but we don't have the same kind of indestructible artifacts that uh, Theros has indestructible enchantments. So, right. This was different. their new take on an artifact set where it yeah. doesn't have, a t- like, it has more artifacts than a usual set, but it's not just all artifacts. It's not so It's silver. mostly cards that kind of make artifact tokens yes. for you. And that those tokens can be important to cast other spells that aren't artifacts. Right. That care about artifacts. So, yeah. um, okay, that's pretty important. I, I would definitely feel, normally I would think I'd want more than that. Or I would almost count artifact removal as just regular removal. Now, again, this set's different. Neither of us have ever drafted this. Of course, <laughs> nobody has. Almost best. Don't, don't worry on Thursday night, Friday night. I plan on grabbing some beers and drafting this set. Yes. Maybe I'll be way off. But my kind of starting point would be I want one way to destroy artifacts in my deck, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's good to know. Um, now, I know, I think you were the first person to tell me this. <laughs> like, I had played this set, I was kind of new to it, um, and I had built a couple of wacky uh, four-color decks that was using way too many unbridled growths. Yeah, um, so unbridled growth is fine. Yeah, but it was basically, I was, most of the time when I was sitting down at a table, I was like, I want to hit, I want to be green and branch from there. Right. Uh, because I was focused on uh, revolt a little bit too much, mm-hmm. I think. And Unbridled Growth was great because it would splash your colors until you didn't care, and then you sack it to draw a card, and uh, then you have revolt for the turn. Um, but the card that you turned me on to that was like the most important card of the block mm-hmm. was what? Renegade Math. Renegade Math. So this card is very, very good. Yes. I think one of the first times we drafted this at Draft and Draft, mm-hmm. I took like five or six of these in the first pack, and then I just took whatever the hell I wanted for the rest of the draft. So Renegade Maps should be kind of thought of as like, a, I want to say dual land, but more than that. Mm-hmm. So this should replace a land slot in your deck. Just, abs- just straight up? Yep. One for Don't one? play 17 lands. If you have two Renegade Maps, play 15 lands. And two Renegade maps. If you have five Renegade maps, do you play 12 lands? That's... I can't remember exactly what I played. I probably played a little more, but it's, maybe it the fourth and risky. fifth one are close to it. But yeah. if you have one land and three Renegade maps, mm-hmm. you're going to have a slow start, but you're going to have a very functional start. Yeah. So Renegade map is, just does it all. It's an artifact for th- things that care about artifact. Mm-hmm. It triggers revolt whenever you want it. Yes. And it helps you splash. Yes. All for the low, low price of one mana, mm-hmm. and it's a common... So I think you take this card early. A few weeks later, after I, I think I three node that week, because <laughs> I was taking Cloud Blazers in my like green blue or green red deck. You yeah, know? and uh, then uh, I didn't get as many Renegade maps in the future. They actually became really high picks that I had to yeah. fight over. But uh, yeah, Renegade map is honestly just a great card. Mm-hmm. I actually played it in standard, <laughs> <laughs> and 
that's that would be my advice is it replaces the land mm-hmm. you should think of it as like a tri land that uh or like an evolving wilds that that helps you trigger revolt and artifact synergies okay all right because you could keep it around for improvise if you want yeah if you have plenty of lands in your hand and you don't need to use it right away you Mm -hmm. can keep it to improvise things or just trigger any sort of artifact synergy and then when you need revolt you can sack you can sack it and then Mm -hmm. use it for that uh, you don't have to trade away a creature, which is uh, great because that's a lot of times uh, what people are doing. Whereas if you have a land in that slot, mm-hmm. if you just draw all lands, you're doing nothing. Yeah. And at least it like, um, I know, I think this is more important for limited decks than um, 60 card decks. Mm-hmm. But taking a land out of your deck and putting it on the field um, is uh, important. Right. If, if you don't want to draw land. Yeah, exactly. Deck thinning, yeah. If you're deck thinning. Um, the eternal debate about whether that's important or not. Or not. Do you play Evolving Wilds in a mono-colored deck? Or, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I think that's kind of the tips we have. We're not experts. We didn't play d- that much of these formats. I'm a regular guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're I think regulars. the first... Yeah, we're regulars at yeah. this uh, thing. I think the first deck I was... Uh, I, I had played a couple different drafts. Uh, half of it was I was remembering how to draft again. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I hadn't drafted since I was a kid and I went, well, I was terrible at that. Um, <laughs> I think the first draft I did, I might've gone, we, we were playing, have you played a format where when you draft, you have to write down all the rares and then at the end of the draft, oh, the yeah, prize pool that. is right. the rare. And it's usually a really low buy-in to do it. Yeah. It's really yeah. low buy-in cause, um, uh, basically you write down every rare that you get. Yeah, and then you have to put the rares down on a table at the and end. You draft of... rare by position. Yes, in the, in the event. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so basically, I was playing like uh, white, black zombies, kind of mm-hmm. a little bit. I had a Lord of the Undead, and I had a zombie deck. I wanted to put it in, so I really wanted that card. Mm. And then I kind of realized what we were doing a little bit later because I was not exactly sure what was happening. So there's no point in rare drafting in those events. Yeah, the there there is not. <laughs> except I used it to go. I think I went. Um, Probably like three and three or something. Well, there you go. And then I got it back because nobody wanted it. So I was like, yes. (laughs) I think I still have it somewhere. Awesome. Um, But yeah, so I didn't draft that much. I had done some random, like, everyone brings their draft chaff drafts. Yeah, yeah. If you've done those. Um, I've played those where each, like, person has to bring. like Walmart packs. (laughs) Well, that one was like, we don't have those in the States, actually. We don't have, like, like dollar store anything packs. Or at least at the time, they weren't really around. Mm Mm-hmm. So it was literally people just brought cards that they had, and you just have like a weird draft chaff rare that you don't want to use from alliances oh, gotcha. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So all the rares were garbage, <laughs> and like the entire draft was so weird because it was just any card it's, from. It's any just set. the world's we- weirdest cube. It was the weirdest <laughs> thing ever, um, but it was super fun. I had a good time, but I didn't know how to draft. It, the the moral of the story um, is that I didn't know how to draft very well. Um, so you learned with this set. Kind so of. I learned with Aether Revolt, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had drafted like this four-color artifacts deck I thought was really cool. But it was with some rares that nobody wanted. It was like Pious Revolution and um, some Aetherborn guy who sacks artifacts to get counters. And then I would oh, try yeah. to loop it with Pious Revolution. and some That stuff. was pretty good in standard. Um, my deck was not good. <laughs> but I was happy that I, I never had a problem with colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, for I was playing four colors, and my main focus was never have mana problems. I never did. I just got steamrolled by <laughs> um, some Renegade jerk Freighter. Five yeah, Renegade. It was, it was basically Renegade Freighter uh, yeah. steamrolled me a bit. 
Oh yeah, that card will do. Yep. And uh, I played against Chris. He had a Tezzeret, and uh, <laughs> I was like, "Well, I don't know how to deal that with this." Pretty good too. Um, but yeah, uh, I love this format too. Like, I wasn't. I was just playing a draft and draft. So I'm not, you know, going to PTQ uh, yeah. sealed events and drafting in the top eight. Yeah, uh, I I just personally love to build really like grindy mm-hmm. jank decks. Mostly, there was this card called the Hidden Stockpile, which is in. Uh, yes, I'm, I am excited Master. for. I do like Hidden Stockpile. Yeah, nobody wanted it, and I always would take it after taking my five Renegade maps. And so you know, <laughs> I'm just doing these like weird servo loops. That, whether win or lose, I had a great time. So. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I look back on this format really fondly. I look back on it being like I could do a lot better. So I'm pretty. I, I'm pretty excited. So we're both like, excited. To play yes, this. I have like a call to action. Like I can. Mm-hmm. I know I can do this. Um, I feel like my skills have uh, increased quite a bit from uh, when I really started uh, doing this. So, perfect. I'm definitely excited to see that. So once again, we do want to reiterate that this remastered draft or all remastered stuff mm-hmm. is not going to be the same as when you were playing in the block. Right. So for anyone who uh, played in Kaladesh block or, as you know, Amonkhet block, like it's going to be different. And and don't feel like you shouldn't draft this because you didn't play those because. You might come at a slight disadvantage. Some people will know cards from having played it. Oh, mm-hmm. this is a lot better than it looks. Yeah. But it's not like... It is a new format. So everyone's learning just like you. So. Exactly. So when you start drafting it, like, do your best to try to take the cards that were good before. But like, do keep your mind open for things that will come up to you and be like, you know what? This seems to be playing a lot better than I remember. Or this card is really great. Why is nobody taking it? Right. Um, definitely be open to that and don't be so uh, focused on what was happening in the past because these have proved to be different than they they were before. Sure. I I still think it's worthwhile to kind of check out some old draft guides for Kaladesh and Aether Revolt. It's definitely helped me. Like I was watching old like uh, Marshall and uh, LSV drafts and uh, Ben Stark at the the PTQ or or Pro Tour, I guess. I can't remember what it was. but It was a Pro Tour. It was a Pro Tour. I think it's yeah, I think it's worth checking that stuff out, but just don't take it as gospel, right? It's Absolutely, thing, yeah, it's yeah. a different that, format. That's also just a good thing in general uh, when you when you <laughs> find information, <Right. laughs> don't take it as gospel. Just take it as a everything with a grain of salt and uh, find your own way. Unless um, we said it, then it's for sure. Well, yeah, for I mean, sure, true. I mean, like take the fast lands and then everything else. <laughs> yeah, that's gospel. Yeah, that is take gospel. Take the lands. Take the lands. Rare lands are the best. Um, don't let anybody... You'll thank us when you can build almost any deck you want because you have all the lands. Exactly. Later you'll be like, well, oh, I have all these wild cards. I don't know why. And everyone else trying to build decks, they can't do it. So, All right. Any last thoughts, Zach? Um, <laughs> no, I think, uh, I think we kind of covered it. Um, that's how we feel at the moment. I mean, we don't, uh, we don't exactly know what's going on either. So Right, we might check in again after we've pl- actually we'll, played the set. I mean, we'll probably talk about cards. Maybe some staples might yeah. go into our staple list. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that is how we feel about Kaladesh Remastered. Um, really looking forward to it. I'm yeah. very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be fantastic. If you have any suggestions or, or anything you want to talk to us about, you can always reach us at, at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, and we'll be playing on Arena under the username Arena Regulars Podcast. If you play against us, give us a hello. Or something. Yeah. Or, yeah. or it's a good game. Just spam it all the way through. 
And if you're interested about the uh, tournament I was humble bragging about at the start of this yes. podcast. Humble bragging, right. <laughs> you can find it. Uh, I'm going to be posting a tournament report that I think I'll link on our Twitter account. So mm-hmm. you can find it on our Twitter. Yeah, so go check out our Twitter. There's yeah. no reason not I'll to. I'll be posting it on Reddit probably and linking it on Twitter. Totally. So. Absolutely. Also, we would like to give a shout out to our one listener. You know who you are. You're the best. <laughs> we like you a lot. Uh, and with that, uh, this is the end of episode five. So good night. All right, that's fine.